I'm an investor with money and a planet to burn, Ravi Krieger-Smith. And I'm just a victim of legal technicalities. I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. I hit there. <laughs> Good I was job. a victim, yeah. legal and tech. Like, come on. <laughs> Welcome back to the political R&D podcast. We've been on hiatus for three, four months. Um, so I need to start off by apologizing to everybody. I was dealing with some health and personal issues, but uh, we're back. We're back. <laughs> been an exciting. And, and Robbie's feeling better. Yes, feeling better. Yeah, I'm yes. not full of the cancer. Well, that's all very good. Very <laughs> yeah. good. Very good news. Uh, so it's been an exciting, well, three or four months, but um, in particular, last 24 hours. Right. And what's the title of today's episode? Today's episode is entitled, Good Thing, Been Gone So Long. Mm. Do you know so who sang that? We've, it, it, no, <laughs> please don't. So in insider scoop here, Deirdre's neighbors called the police on her because she was singing. So if she ever asks you, the answer is no. I didn't ask if you wanted me to sing it. I said, do you know who sang that? Oh. <laughs> no, I did like, not. Why did you just out me like that? <laughs> Surprise. Okay, and a little a little background. It actually took us an hour and 40 minutes to connect tonight. So forgive us. We were probably better prepared an hour and 40 minutes ago. And a lot less drunk. And that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who sang that song? Fine Young Cannibals. Oh, okay. I, I don't eat humans, so I don't know about them. <laughs> 80s. Okay. So let's start with, I don't know, like, should we, I think, I think because of what happened today, I think we have to start with the fact that Alberta won the carbon tax appeal. Yep. Yeah. That seems like a good place to start. We'll work backwards. <laughs> so where were you when you heard the news? I was at my Monday to Friday, well, not Monday to Friday, but my nine to five job, um, hitting refresh on the Twitter, waiting for the results to come in. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, I've got a fair degree of confidence in our legal system and it's pretty clear that they took a slightly different approach than Ontario and Saskatchewan did. Okay. So congratulations to the UCP on yeah. actually winning the argument in case. And that's, why we have a legal system and you know i don't agree with their take on the carbon tax and ways to address climate change but that's why we have a legal system and if the process is followed and they get a favorable result for them then you know that's certainly within their rights and that's the type of democracy we have so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what i had done and I debated, do I have to write two articles to be ready to roll 
when the decision comes. And I thought, it's very unlikely it'll be approved. But I wrote an article that, uh, you know, could kind of go either way. It had background and, you know, it was really just the first line. That's, that's the first line in the headline. However, when that popped up, when the decision popped up and it wasn't, I, I was, I was, I was, uh, I was almost shaky trying to change things fast enough to get it posted. And it was, I, and I was shocked that they had won. Yeah. Yeah. Because... I, I, I was quite surprised too, because, um, even though they were split decisions, uh, you know, that they were pretty clear as to the, legality i guess and the authority of the feds to be able to do that so mm. one of the things that i think has probably occurred is that alberta did take a look at the arguments and merits of the cases in saskatchewan and ontario and it, it was probably a little bit of the three of them trying different approaches to see what resonated with the courts um it'll be interesting to see because this uh, saskatchewan lost their appeal at the Saskatchewan Court of Appeal. And that case was accepted by the Supreme Court of Canada and is being heard this spring. So it'll be interesting to see if Saskatchewan adopts this as an argument at their Supreme Court challenge and whether or not, well, I mean, obviously, Alberta and Ontario are going to jump on board as well um, as interveners there, and they're going to try and fight it. But yeah. It, it was interesting to see, and it was some pretty, I'll say politically charged, not partisan, but politically charged comments in the decision talking about the legislation being tantamount to a Trojan horse that would invade the heads of every provincial government if <laughs> this was allowed to pass. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an ambiguous ruling at all, in my no. view. no. no. Um, and one of the things that, uh, when, when I was looking at this, one of the things that, as you mentioned, you know, they, they had some strong words, but one of the other things that came up in this, and I so wish, I mean, I can't imagine that anyone else would have waited for us for an hour and a half to get this figured out tonight, but I almost wish that we could have. Uh, booked a lawyer to have a conversation with because one of the things that I wondered when I was reading this I mean they basically said that that there is no such thing as a national as, as something that's the national interest that disadvantages a particular province and that made me wonder so what does this do to BC mm -hmm. right like that's that's the whole reason that the feds bought the pipeline was to make it a national interest project. So, I mean, this court decision, and it is still going to the Supreme Court, but this is actually another thing. I don't believe that Saskatchewan can actually enter new arguments. They have to go with the arguments that they've already had. Um, they're appealing the decision on the argument that they've already made. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, it's a good question that we could certainly put towards some of our lawyer friends. But mm -hmm. um, I mean, if Alberta is able to intervene and make a separate argument based mm, on that's true. what they've put, then maybe 
you know, Ontario comes with this argument, Saskatchewan comes with this one, Alberta comes with this one, and then the judges, justices weigh those three arguments. Actually, yeah, that's right, because it should have been... Now, I mean, this is, again, more uh, more research, especially legal research, than I wanted to... than I was ready to do after today. I spent a lot of time waiting for a legal argument <laughs> yeah. and or a legal decision. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a busy day, and I was like, I don't have time to go through all three to find out what the difference might have been. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I, I was, I was shocked. I was, yep. I was shocked, but at the same time, I kind of agree with you. Good for them. They pushed this for them to actually have been successful in this particular argument. That's, that's a big win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's a big win. It is. And like I said, you know, for me, on a policy and from a partisan perspective, I disagree with their approach. But if they're going to follow a legal process to stop a policy or a law and have a different outcome, I would way rather that than this kind of hyper-partisan, you know, hair setting on fire approach that they've Mm -hmm. taken um, where, I mean, I guess essentially what they're trying to do is sway the court of public opinion, which politics is really about, but it's just become so divisive and angry. (laughs) And much. um, Yeah, and nonstop in the (laughs) age of social media. Uh, But mea culpa, I've been uh, tweeting nonstop, so (laughs) guilty as charged. But But you took a bit of a break, though, still. Like yeah. you did, yeah. You you've you've taken a break. I actually got m- more into it. Yeah. Over the last couple of months, so. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, what do you think the path forward is? Like, does Trudeau do anything differently? Does the uh, provincial government advise retailers to stop? Because this is an non-binding ruling as well. It's only the Supreme mm. Court that the ruling is binding of right. Canada. Um, so what do you think the path forward is? Do you see any potential difference in terms of application? Oh, well, um, as Kenny said multiple times today, uh, they fully expect the federal government to remove the carbon tax from Albertans immediately and respect the rule of law. Um, it's a, it's a fun argument, um, because as you said, it's non-binding on the Mm -hmm. federal government. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they do have this decision. So they've got, they've got a little bit of a leg to stand on at the moment. And now the federal government, uh, the environment minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, did uh, speak with power in politics today. And he said that, you know, the government isn't going to do anything different. The federal government is going to, they're, they're confident that, uh, that the Supreme Court challenge, which I do believe it's in March, it's actually coming up right away. So, but they, they are confident that, uh, that the Supreme Court will decide in their favor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is a two to one thing going on right now, but Alberta's, and again, I will admit, I didn't read the decision in Saskatchewan's or Ontario's <laughs> or Alberta's to be fair. Cause it's 300 pages. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I started, yeah. <laughs> I definitely started. I made some notes. Yeah. Um, but, 
but yeah, like I, I have, I have not, um, I have not compared them. So it's, it's tough to say whether or not the federal government can be confident. I mean, is, is this just like going into an election? You just, you pretend that you are confident and, you know, if something else happens, then you deal with that. Yeah, well, and I think that probably what the federal government needs to do is, if they're defending this, take a look at the merits of this case and the decision, the reason those decisions were made. And I was looking a little bit at some of the text of the decision that people had just snipped and whatnot. And it did talk about, you know, for example, if the federal government was to outlaw internal combustion engines, how that could apply. And so I'm a little bit unclear as it sounds to me like the court's argument is the problem with this law is that there's not clearly defined parameters on what constitutes a climate emergency and and why they need to do this. And so maybe that's the case is, and maybe that's what the Supreme Court will do as well is say, you can do this law if, or this law needs to be suspended until, and then gives them some parameters with how to make it uh, constitutional law if they were to argue against it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one of the things also that uh, I did, I did grab some, some paragraphs and one of one of the paragraphs in the decision we're talking about how the carbon tax is essentially well it's it's designed it's a it's a behavior modification um policy right <laughs> like that's what it's supposed to do is modify behavior however this particular behavior modification is aimed at using less fossil fuels which it sounded to me in a few of the paragraphs that I was reading that the Alberta court uh, kind of took that as a direct attack on Alberta's industry. Mm. And so, again, like this, this is, um, you know, they definitely took it in, in a different manner to, from what I can tell from what the other courts did. And possibly because oil and gas is Alberta's, you know, go-to industry, so to speak. So maybe it's a little fresher here or yeah. a little more uh, in focus, but it was, yeah, from what I've read so far, it is definitely quite interesting. And, oh, I highly suggest that people, you know, maybe spend a little bit of time and try to see if there's things that stick out to them. Yeah, or because wait a day for the journalists to do that for us. <laughs> right. <laughs> or just start reading the opinion columns. They'll be coming all week long, I'm sure. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they had those wrote and ready to go already, too. So. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things for me with this decision, though, um, and what it does in terms of the national conversation is it creates a lot more uncertainty. And... I think if the Alberta Court of Appeal had ruled against the Alberta government, it would be pretty hard to expect that the Supreme Court of Canada would change three lower courts rulings. Um, not impossible, but unexpected. And this does definitely add a little bit of uncertainty as to what the outcome of that is going to be. 
And I think that's kind of a nice segue actually into the big political news of yesterday, which revolved around uncertainty. And I think that this decision actually ratchets that up and yeah. makes it a bigger issue in Canada. And that was a tech pulling out of the frontier oil sands mine, which the federal cabinet was due to rule on by the end of the week. And that was uh, also so, a shock. Yeah. It, <laughs> well, for them to actually pull out of the the environmental assessment and getting an answer from cabinet was a shock to me. The fact that they weren't going to proceed with it wasn't a shock to me because the CEO, um, forget it, the, his name off the top of my head, just uh, one second. Don, uh, Lindsay. Don Lindsay. Yeah, he's been talking quite a bit for a period of time, like I would say six, seven months, he's been signaling that the economics of this don't necessarily make sense anymore. Um, they've been in this regulatory process for nine, 10 years now, and that they may have a hard time getting um, investors to come on with the uncertainty around regulatory uh, frameworks, I guess, and the climate change conversation that's happening right now. So I was surprised not that they had withdrawn, but that they had, not that they weren't proceeding, but that they had withdrawn from the environmental assessment. And the CEO had been signaling that the economics of this might not work and that they might have a hard time getting investors. Yeah. Yeah. So in the letter where the CEO, uh, and this is to the federal environment minister, announces that they've made the decision to withdraw. Um, they do say that they're obviously proud of the amount of consultation that's gone on, and um, that's with Indigenous people around the proposed site. And they actually had agreements with all of the Indigenous groups that were around where this was going to be. And the provincial government also signed agreements uh, this weekend with two of them. Um, which is interesting, and I'll circle back to that. But uh, this per particular paragraph really struck me, and it said, global capital markets are changing rapidly, and investors and customers are increasingly looking for jurisdictions to have a framework in place that reconciles resource development and climate change in order to produce the cleanest possible products. This does not yet exist here today, and unfortunately, the growing debate around this issue has placed Frontier and our company squarely at the nexus of much broader issues that need to be resolved. In that context, it's now evident that there is no constructive path forward for this project. Questions about the societal implications of energy development, climate change, and Indigenous rights are critically important ones for Canada, its provinces, and Indigenous governments to work through. So... As expected, the partisan talking heads were spinning this like crazy right out of the gates. But in that whole letter that the CEO writes, it mentions climate change eight times. And so to me, it was a really clear signal that for these big projects to advance, it's not even just about regulatory frameworks that are missing, but it's about the social implications and social pressure that's there to develop resources in a responsible manner and have a credible climate change plan. And so I think it's a bit of a indictment of both the Liberals in terms of having a clear process for approvals of these projects and providing that type of certainty to investors and to proponents of projects, 
but also of the UCP, the Alberta government, and the rhetoric and damage they've done around climate change and the changes that they've made to some of their programs and whatnot. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Paul Ferry, Polly Sci on Twitter, uh, he had such a fantastic tweet, which I mean, he always does highly recommend him for a follow. Uh, but his his tweet yesterday was uh, reminder: make sure to interpret the Tech Frontier Mine Project delay in a way that aligns exactly with your pre-existing worldview. Yeah. <laughs> he he did make an update. It said you're doing great, everybody. <laughs> I love him. Um, he, he is one of the best follows on Twitter for sure. He is. Uh, so I mean, it's been. It's been really interesting because there's a lot of, I mean, the the UCP went right to attacking the federal government, right? And of course we expected that. But, you know, I've taken a little bit of time as I overanalyze a lot of things and why would this be any different? So one of the things that I started to look at was how much pressure was being put on tech resources, there, it wasn't just that they were going to create jobs. And, you know, like you said, the uh, Don Lindsay came out at one point and said, you know, like, I'm not really sure if, if we will be starting this project anytime soon, because it's just, it's not necessarily viable right now. Yet, the tech project was being used as a, this will create jobs for Albertans. Uh, right now, when we need them, this is going to create, you know, and it would be long term because it's an oil sands project and oil sands projects take a long time to get up to the point where they're producing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was there was pressure there to, you know, if it's approved to develop. Mm -hmm. So there was pressure on that point, but there was also something uh, Kenny wrote a letter to Trudeau at the beginning of February. And in that letter, he basically said that if tech wasn't approved, that it would take Western alienation to uh, its boiling point. And when I read that, and that was actually just either this morning or last night, and kind of a reminder that that had gone on, it seems like so long ago. But uh, when I looked at that, I thought, you know, does tech, as a as a company, do they really want to become the poster child for Western alienation or Alberta separation or independence? Like, there was a lot of pressure on this company and and on the approval, and I feel like they were being used as a political football, and and not not for their own benefit for sure. So there were a lot of things going on behind the scenes as well. And I did get a message tonight from uh, someone, I believe he's out in Lethbridge. And he said that it's come out that Trudeau did speak with Don Lindsay at some point over this weekend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said, what if there was some sort of an agreement, you know, if you if you back down at the moment, because you're not going to build it right now anyway, but if you back down at the moment, things are really hot right now. We've got blockades, we've got wet suet, and we've got 
you know, all of these other things going on, people demanding uh, action on climate change. We have, you know, his own cabinet ministers who are saying, don't approve this project. There's there's just a lot of political upheaval at the moment. And did they have a conversation saying, are you going to build? Can you build right now? If not, why don't we hold off and, you know, when you put in the for the approval process again, we'll get it approved. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a couple things that the Trudeau government does have a minority. And if he does have his own ministers and MPs turning against him, that mm -hmm. makes that government unstable. Um, yeah. So that's a factor. And it's a bit of a, a, you know, if I was Trudeau, I probably would have come out and said, look, the CEO has said that this isn't economically viable and he's not even sure it can be built. So we're approving it. And we've negotiated, you know, legislative mechanisms to enforce the 100 megaton cap with yeah. the Alberta government. We're approving it, but we don't expect it's going to get built anytime soon, if ever. Yeah. And the problem with that, though, is it does put the football back into Tech's ball court. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the pressure's on was, them again. Yeah, and the pressure's on them again. So there probably was a conversation along those lines. Um, but... Uh, Michael Solberg, who is an advisor to the government and worked on their campaign, said tech was subjected to a rigorous environmental review, had unprecedented success in its consultations with Indigenous groups. Alberta taxes heavy emitters. We have a federally imposed consumer carbon tax. The province's emissions cap are less than the proposed cap. What more can we do? And um, Wait a minute. Did they say we have a federally imposed carbon tax on high emitters? Did I hear that no, right? No, we have a high Just that we have tax, it. yeah, okay. provincial one, and then <laughs> the federal uh, imposed consumer carbon tax. But uh, I responded, well, clean up abandoned wells, have a retail consumer carbon tax, have a strong independent Alberta energy regulator that's free from political interference, uh, shut down the shit show that is the Canadian Energy Centre. <laughs> and stop lying about the emissions intensity, which was still going on today. Kenny's I trying know. to claim that this has less emissions per barrel than U.S. oil, and that's not true at all. No. It's got less emissions than some of the older oil sands projects, but two of the most recent big projects, uh, the Curl and the Horizon, have lower emissions than this one. Yeah. And um, so the problem is, is that, in my view, the rhetoric and the actions of the government have created that political instability and yes the federal liberals have a role in it as well but it's been the fight between the conservatives and the liberals and you have preston manning the other day saying carbon taxes make the most sense but because the liberals are championing the science conservatives won't buy into it and like that's the fundamental problem here is that bad policy decisions are being made because partisanship and so you know it's kind of a no-win Right. And until they can find some common ground, then I don't see this moving anywhere and it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. Yeah, no, I fully agree. It's uh, it's it's a difficult thing, I think, to to be a political watcher right now and seeing all of these things. And I don't know that I would say that I am, or sorry, describe myself as a pessimist, but I am 100% a worst case scenario thinker. 
right? It's it's pretty constant. Um, I am usually able to bring myself back with that's not going to happen. But the thing is, my mind goes there. And worst case scenario, things come up quite often for me. And so seeing what's going on right now, the worst case scenario is actually, yes, it's just as bad as some of the things that are on the way to the worst case scenario. And again, that's kind of how the my mind works is, okay, there's the worst case scenario and I back up from there. This is, this is, this is problematic where we are right now because politically in Alberta, we have this, um, we have this sensitivity. I mean, the Buffalo declaration last week didn't help, (laughs) but you know, like we've got this sensitivity right now and this line that people really need to be walking, especially our elected officials. And the thing is, they're willing to play with it. And that to me is scary. And you have, um, and you have things like these big development projects. And yes, you know what, it's fantastic that they can blame the federal government right now. It's, it, that's great for them, but it's still not addressing problems that Alberta is having and problems that exist outside of our province, um, especially things like oil prices, right? That was a that was another big thing. Why are why are all these major companies supporting a carbon tax? Because the global investment climate has changed and people are saying we're not putting our money anywhere where people aren't, you know, working on climate mitigation or climate change mitigation. So there's there's all of these other things going on that it's not it's just not possible to point your finger and say it's just that if we could just get rid of the federal liberals everything would be fine no no it won't well (laughs) and that's the problem is that they're selling a simple solution to a complex problem right and you know like I'm sure people have read or heard about this letter from the CEO or managing partner of uh, BlackRock, which is a big capital Mm. um, investment firm down in the U.S. I think it's actually the largest in the world. And he essentially wrote a letter to CEO saying, we're not going to be investing in oil and gas anymore because the social acceptability is on decline and you're going to lose money on this. Right. And um So it's interesting, though, because, you know, Kenny has gone from investors don't want to do it because the government and now he's saying investors are buying into this, you know, Laurentian elite or European ideology and they're wrong. And eventually he's going to have nobody to blame but himself. Right. (laughs) He's going to run out of people to point the finger at. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, in today's today's press conference was scheduled to be you know, a response to the tech pulling out. And, you know, it was the usual hyper partisan, you know, we, we hate the federal government and they're so mean to us and, you know, they've screwed (laughs) everything up. They're out to get us. Yeah. And I just, I really wish that the message would be like, we acknowledge we need to do a better job and here's the things that we're going to do. And there were some elements of that, I guess, at the start where he did talk about, you know, we put in, uh, the technology innovation um, and emissions regulation, which is on large emitters and is intended to help fund innovation and technology. 
And he did talk about negotiating with the federal government to get an equivalency agreement for that. And they did do that. So there were some tangible things he was able to talk about. Um, he also talked about we're trying to put in some methane regulations and see if we can get credit for those. So it is actually nice to hear a little bit of here's some things we've done to try and address it. And we're trying to be creative or innovative with some of this stuff because right or wrong, uh, carbon tax is not sellable in Alberta. And I mean, that's their doing. But I think he's come to the realization something has to be done and that the rhetoric needs to be a little less heated. Um, but, you know, you catch him in a moment of candor when he's with a group that really likes red meat and all of a sudden it's really flamed up again, right? So um, it just... I. Former Premier Rachel Notley, now the opposition leader, said what we need is we need governments to be working together, finding common ground and working towards solutions and getting everybody at the table. And I think she was better suited for that, to be honest. But we have the government that we have. And hopefully, I mean, if companies keep pulling out of the province and taking their capital and their jobs with them, at some point he's going to have to recognize that that's reality. Not as long as there's a Trudeau in power, unfortunately. That's that's and that is something that worries me a lot. Now, at the same time, at the same time, Jason Kenney is not a stupid man. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think his goal is to actually sink Alberta. No. So, with that. Is there a possibility that he might come around before it gets worse? I mean, he's but he's in he's in a bad position. You yeah. know, he he stoked the separatist sentiment before the federal election and it exploded with Wexit. Therefore, now he's he he's fighting a two or sorry, he's fighting a, a two front war because there are people within his own party that are to the point where they would rather separate because things are so bad. So, you know, I guess I, again, you know, I kind of watch for him walking that line and not making it worse, mm -hmm. but politically in Alberta, yeah, he's, he's fighting a two front war. He's going to be doing so between now and the next election. And I don't know, maybe we'll see some of these types of policies that maybe don't get a lot of media, maybe um, are kind of slipped in where he can, you know, just change the subject whenever it's brought up. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Well, and, you know... It's hard to say what's going to happen federally, but at least in Alberta and Saskatchewan, the palatability, like I said, for a retail carbon tax at least isn't there. So the other options are do nothing and do nothing. I think they've all acknowledged isn't an option anymore. Um, so you're then looking at a combination of regulation, um, which, you know, obviously costs things to administer and, and innovation and you know innovation may get us there but it 
doesn't put us there yet. And part of the problem with emissions tracking and regulation is that it takes a long time to see if it's working, right? And so, right. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's not something that's an immediate fix. No, and even with carbon taxes, to be fair, though, like it takes a lot of time to account for emissions and add them up. And I think it's like something like an 18 month lag. So we don't even have all the data on the NDP carbon tax yet and whether it had any <laughs> measurable impact. Right. So but um, like, yeah, I, I guess instability is kind of the headline here and that yeah. um, it's going to be, you know, more partisan division before it gets better. And hopefully at some point they find a way to sit down and work together and the best interests of both the environment, indigenous people and industry as well. Cause it's important that we have all three of them be able to succeed. Right. So, yeah. Perfect. That's a fantastic ending, Robbie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, so we'll try and do this again sometime before the next four months, but no promises. <laughs> You can find political R&D podcasts, blogs, and our social media tags on our website at politicalrnd.ca. <laughs> Bye, Robbie. Bye, Deirdre. <laughs>